We're going to be in 1 Timothy again. 1 Timothy chapter 1. If you were here last week, you uh, undoubtedly saw the scriptures, 1 Timothy 1, 1 through 5. So if you looked in your bulletin this morning and saw 1 Timothy 1, 1 through 5, it's not a misprint. We only took off in one direction from that, and that was the word some. We'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, if you have your Bibles open, I'd like to read 1 Timothy 1, 1 through 5. Would you follow as I read? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions, rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment or the charge is charity, that is love, out of a pure heart, and of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned, or real, genuine. Uh, let's pause for a word of prayer. Father, we'd ask that you might, uh, in a very wonderful way, uh, use your word in our hearts today. Father, that we might, uh, by your grace, grow in the things of our Savior. Father, if there be one here this morning who has not yet trusted Christ, I pray your Holy Spirit would bring great conviction. Father, would draw that one to the Savior today. Father, would you marvelously work in our midst? Would you bless these youngsters that have been dismissed for junior church? Father, speak to them from your word in some very special way. Father, we look forward to the time of fellowship to follow. Ask that you might bless now. And Father, we pray this with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. We looked at uh, some people last week. Seems like a very funny thing to do, doesn't it? And yet it's an incredible thing that Paul writes to Timothy that he's to charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Uh, we're going to spend time on doctrine in just a very few minutes. He says, uh, right after that passage we just read, he says, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling. Talks about some in chapter 1 and verse 19. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away, uh, they rejected a 
good conscience. And it says, having put away concerning faith of made shipwreck. We read in chapter 4, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And then when we get over to chapter 6, Paul tells Timothy in verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And then finally at the very end of 1 Timothy, we read in verse 20, chapter 6, O Timothy, keep that which is committed unto thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science or knowledge, it's the Greek word gnosis, uh, falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. We looked at pastors that have to deal with some people, some situations, some concerns. And Paul, particularly to Timothy, is exercising that. That's why he left Timothy at Ephesus to deal with some. Well, that first charge that he gives them, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. The word doctrine is kind of interesting. Uh, you can relate it to the word teach or teaching, but the word that's used here, uh, I, I will tell you, the, the, the word doctrine is used 19 times in the New Testament. Nineteen times, the substance of our teaching, the content of it, if you please. Nineteen times in the New Testament, and fifteen times in First and Second Timothy and Titus. Fifteen of the nineteen times in the pastoral epistles. Why would Paul use that word over and over and over again to pastors? The substance of what we teach. I have a question. Why do churches go bad? Well, why do denominations go bad? Stop and think about some of the trends. I, I, I just read the, the uh, George Barnapole, the Z generation, those that were born from 1999 to 2015, their polling indicates 4% of that generation has a biblical world view. 
4%. What in the world has happened? Well, believe it or not, there's a departure from sound doctrine. It's true in churches, it's true in denominations, it's true in nations. And I think it's very, very important that we see what Paul is telling Timothy and Titus about this incredibly important matter. I mentioned that it's 19 times that we have that word doctrine in the New Testament. Well, let's take a look at the four times it's not in the pastoral epistles. Go to Matthew chapter 15, if you would please. Matthew chapter 15. I'm still breaking in my new Bible. You're there before I am. Matthew chapter 15. I'm going to pick it up in verse 7. Jesus is speaking. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines, that's our word, the commandments of, oh, where did they get their doctrine, the content, the substance of their teaching? They got it from men. Hmm. How do churches go wrong? Well, they depart from the word of God. Let's go to Mark chapter 7. This is the second of those four times. And this may uh, resonate with you because we just read something very similar. Mark chapter 7, verse 6. He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of, what's our word? Oh. So where did they get their doctrine from, their teaching? The substance of it. They got it from men, not from the word of God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. This is a marvelous passage. Uh, I'm going to pick it up in verse 11, Ephesians chapter 4. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting or equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or complete man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine 
Now, watch what Paul says about that doctrine, that every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. The slight of men, those winds of doctrine, not the word of God. Let's do one more. Colossians chapter 2, verse 22. I'm going to pick it up in verse 20. Colossians chapter 2, verse 20. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of... Hmm. You start to see a trend? All four times, those false doctrines are said to come from men. Fifteen times, Paul will use that doctrine in First and Second Timothy and Titus. Do you have any idea why that's so incredibly important? You know, 185 years ago, there was a little band of believers that gathered right near here, six in number, and they had their Bible. And they started Little Baptist Church. That's almost two centuries. Well, the little church grew. It has its ups and downs, but if you look around this morning, I think we're seeing the evidence of 185 years of sound doctrine, reliable doctrine, doctrine from the Word of God, not the doctrine of men. Well, let's go back over to 1 Timothy. Paul challenges Timothy with uh, these that would pursue uh, a doctrine contrary to what God has given us. Verse 6, chapter 1. From which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling, desire to be desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm, but we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. As Paul unfolds what is really an emphasis on commandment number five, six, seven, eight, and nine, he, he deals with that right here before Timothy. He says, if there be anything, verse 10, any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. The word means uh, sound, or maybe we can use the word healthy. I'm convinced of this. Sound doctrine builds sound believers. That is, healthy doctrine, Bible doctrine, doctrine based on the Word of God, builds healthy, sound believers. Uh, 
we walk through this and we see uh, chapter 4. Here's what Paul says to Timothy. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. And so important is it that we read this in verse 13, same chapter, 1 Timothy 4, 13. Till I come, give attention, attention, uh, attendance, attention is the sense there, to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Reading there is the public reading of the Word of God. Uh, how many Bibles do you think they had in the church at Ephesus? Well, in the earliest days of the church, obviously, if, if they were privileged to have some portion of the Old Testament, they were blessed. The idea of a personal Bible probably would have been peculiar to them. Hence, they read the Bible publicly. They read the Word of God out loud in their assemblies. It was something that they inherited from the synagogues, which did the very same thing. They read the Bible out loud. Till I come, give attention to reading. That's the public reading of the word. To exhortation, that's to encourage the people in their walk with the Lord. And one more thing. Doctrine. That's the substance of the teaching. Paul says to Timothy, give this your all. It's vital that people know what they believe and why they believe it, and that they believe the truth. Sound doctrine, good doctrine, attentive to this doctrine. Let's look in chapter 6 for a moment. Verse 3. Paul says to Timothy, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. Let's go over to uh, 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy we have this. Uh, I'm going to pick it up in chapter 3. Many of you have this memorized, I expect. Verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for... Help me out here, would you? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for... That's the first thing on the list. Where do we get our doctrine from? The Bible. Make no mistake about that. When I ask what happens to make churches go bad, they follow some other thing. They don't look to the Word of God. They don't examine the Bible. 
Uh, we'll get into this more in just a very few minutes. Uh, it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God might be perfect or complete or mature, truly furnished unto all good works. Take a look at what Paul says to Timothy in chapter 4. Verse 2, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Endure has the idea of to tolerate or to put up with. Isn't that interesting? Wait a minute. You mean there are going to be people that won't tolerate sound doctrine? Healthy doctrine? They won't put up with it? Why do churches go bad? Why do denominations go bad? They leave sound doctrine. By the way, uh, take a look in Titus. I want to touch on this just a little bit. Paul tells Titus the requirements for a bishop, beginning in verse 7, but I'm going to pick it up in verse 9. Titus 1, 9. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers, to bring conviction, if you please. Chapter 2 at verse 1. But speak, and the idea here is to be constantly speaking, the things which become sound doctrine. Uh, same chapter, chapter 2, verse 7. In all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity. Gravity has the idea there about dignity, the way we present the word of God. Sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is on the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. We haven't examined every uh, use of doctrine in the pastoral epistles, at least not yet. Uh, let's go back to 1 Timothy and underscore something important here. 1 Timothy chapter 5, we read in verse 17, 517, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. We've undoubtedly talked about that in terms of pastoral remuneration. But listen to what Paul adds. Especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. I think it's incredibly important to keep in mind that it's hard work to present sound doctrine. Laboring in the word and doctrine. The word labor means to work to the point of exhaustion, by the way. Very, very, very important. Laboring in the word and in doctrine. How, how do you... Uh, I lost a paper. 
How do you labor in the word and in doctrine? Um, anybody here uh, conversant in Hebrew? Oh. <laughs> anybody uh, conversant in Greek? Hmm. Now we got a problem, don't we? The Old Testament, primarily written in Hebrew. The New Testament, primarily in Greek. So if none of us speak Hebrew and if none of us speak Greek, what are we supposed to do? Uh, when, when we moved away from here after retirement, I had a real challenge. I had 40 cases of books. I'm down to about 30 now, by the way. I'm trying to, it, it's harder as you get older, you know. What do you think all of those books were for? Well, most of them. I had concordances. I had Young's Analytical Concordance. I had Strong's. Uh, I had, and still have, by the way, uh, numbers of these incredible tools. Wilson's Old Testament Word Studies. W.E. Vine's Expository Dictionary of the Greek New Testament. What do you think those are for? Sound doctrine. I, I, I need to know what God said. Any pastor that's conscionable will understand exactly what I'm talking about, as will most faithful, mature lay people. Doctrine is absolutely critical to the well-being of the church, to the well-being of the believers, and we can't understand it without studying. Well, that kind of gives away something here. Take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, how many of you were involved in either Awana or Kids for Truth? How many? Uh, Probably three-quarters of the people raise their hands. Do you know what 2 Timothy 2.15 says? Hmm. I believe it says, Study to show thyself approved, a workman unto God that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Hmm. Well, let's, let's think about that just for a minute. That verse that so many know. Study. I like what Henry Morris does with that. He says it means to be earnest and diligent. A Christian should be a student, especially a student of the Word of God, but also of the world of God and the works of God. W.E. Vine says this word study signifies to hasten to do a thing, to exert oneself, Endeavor, give diligence. So Paul says to Pastor Timothy, you must apply yourself at this task. And you must apply yourself earnestly. I think the church is wise in planning for Pastor Luke to have time to study. Amen? I, I commend the church for that. That's incredibly important. 
because the church needs sound doctrine. Because the church needs a pastor who studies to show himself a workman approved unto God. Uh, this phrase, <clears throat> rightly dividing, literally that means cutting straight. Here's what Dr. Henry Morris says. The figure is of a workman, possibly a surgeon, dissecting an object in a very straight line. That is, the one who would be a faithful teacher of God's word must diligently study it and be careful to accept and teach it as it is. This means taking to mean exactly what the writer intended it to mean and not deviating to the right or to the left. Taking it literally, unless the writer himself makes it evident that he's using symbolic language or figurative speech. The newer translations take that rightly dividing and say accurately handling, or correctly handling, or as the Amplified says, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, that is rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. How do you do that? Study. Study. Uh, while we're talking about that, let me have you turn back just to page of 2 Timothy chapter 1. Most of us know the words to verse 12, chapter 1, verse 12. I know whom I have believed, because we sing it so often. Look at the next verse, verse 13. Chapter 1, verse 13. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Hold fast the form of sound words. The, the word for form, tupos, means a blow, an impression left by a seal. The effect of a blow or pressure, uh, an engraved mark, a pattern, a model, thus a pattern that can maintain the sameness of a thing. Paul tells Timothy he's to, be, uh, he's to uh, have the doctrinal phraseology he received from the, the apostle. Uh, let me go on about this matter of form. Uh, sketch or outline particularly used so doctrinal statements of truth may remain accurate and a norm for future teachers and preachers. This is vitally connected with the doctrine of verbal inspiration. That is, Bible writers wrote down God-chosen words, and that's the truth given by revelation. How does Peter say it in 2 Peter chapter 1? This prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Those words are critical to sound doctrine.
There's a lot more I could say about this. Why did churches go bad? Why did denominations go bad? Maybe they never learned 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show yourself approved. A workman unto God that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing, accurately handling the word of truth. I'm grateful for the testimony of the Baptist Church of Hadley. I'm grateful for a legacy of faithful pastors over generations who studied this book and gave to God's people sound doctrine. May God give us a heart to continue that very same practice. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your precious and wonderful word. Father, would you equip your people to be sound in faith. Father, I pray that uh, these things would resonate in our hearts as we think about teaching Sunday school or helping in vacation Bible school or dealing with the young people and presenting devotionals. Father, would you, would you help uh, each and everyone here to be mindful of this incredible need in the church? that we might have sound doctrine for sound, faithful, healthy believers. And Father, we'll ask you to bless now in our closing. Would you bless the time of fellowship to follow, we ask in Jesus' name.